Hey everyone, welcome to Infused Church Online. Today we're in part three of our series, I Don't Wanna, a conversation about responsibility. And today we're talking about how we handle the situations in our lives where we feel like we have experienced something that's unfair, life's been a little uneven, and in those moments, I think, are one of the toughest to then be the most responsible person in the room. And so we're going to help you figure out how to do that and do that well. I think in general, if something breaks down unexpectedly, there's a moment that you take to just be like, that's not fair. Like um, maybe some children, like when your children break down, okay, um, that seems, and like you just know you're not going anywhere, and it seems kind of unfair. In fact, um, at, like I said earlier, Ellie is one year old and now, and she just had this moment the other day where I was kind of, I was sitting there against the couch, and she was kind of leaning on my legs, and then, and then she just stopped, and then she just threw herself back over my legs and just went, and I'm like, you're one years old. I mean, you're not supposed to be breaking down like this. Um, or this morning, in fact, I got up to get the trailer here and everything, and then the, the truck battery was dead. And it's like, of course, the coldest day of the year, or like of the last uh, 52 Sundays at least, is the coldest day. And of course, it doesn't work. And anytime um, there's a disruption in our life, um, I, and I'm talking about any kind of disruption. When you have plans and your plans don't go right, um, you have flights somewhere and the flights don't go um, as scheduled, uh, you have a vacation plan, you have date night plan, um, there's just always something that gets in the way of that and it just feels like, boy, my life is just not going how I wanted. There's a sense of, like, this is not my goal to go through this kind of a day like this, uh, it's just unfair. And so we tend to, I don't know about you, but we tend to sit there and say, I don't want to go anymore. I, I don't want to move forward anymore, right? We, we tend not to want to take responsibility when things don't go well in our life or we feel like the situation is unfair. We tend to just want to sit down, give up, do nothing, brush it under the rug, pawn it off to some other employee or someone else that you work with, and not take responsibility. Just, I don't want it. Now, just so we're all on the same page, if you're new here or you've missed the last two weeks of this series, we've been talking a lot about responsibility, and we define responsibility as this. Taking ownership for your life, your life, and its impact on others. And responsibility, or in other words, ownership in something, means that when it doesn't go well, you're going to own it. Whether it's your fault or not, you're going to jump up, you're going to get engaged, you're going to walk up that escalator, okay? You're not going to just sit at the escalator hoping somebody else is going to come along and fix your problems, okay? And, and so you got you to gotta take responsibility for your life. And we've said every single week, because I think this is so important, some of us stop right there, okay? Some of us stop right there. Because we look at our lives and it's like, well, my life is good. I got a decent job, I got a decent income, decent home, decent car, decent family, okay, even maybe great of all those things, a great version of that. And so we stop right there and we say, you know what, I have taken responsibility for my life. But the unfortunate thing is um, that our lives impact people around us. And so if we just stop right there, it can come across or we can kind of just be conceited or self-centered. And so we're not only taking ownership for our life, but we're taking responsibility for how our lives impact the people around us, for better or for worse. We have to consider that if we're really going to take responsibility, at least the kind of responsibility that we've been talking about so far. And so I gave you this question. 
Okay, and this is the question that I gave you the last two weeks. Am I taking responsibility? Really? Like, am I really doing it? If I'm honest, if I reflect, if I ask someone nearby me or a trusted third party, as we talked about last week, you are honestly asking yourself the question, am I taking responsibility? Now, I understand there are some of us um, in this room today that we're in a great season of life, or we're in a great year of life, or decades of life, okay? And so, to think about unfairness, to think about feeling like you got the short end of the stick, is not something we do a whole lot of, because you're just currently riding a wave of financial security, and it's pretty good, and your family's stable, okay? And so when you think responsibility, you think, well, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Now, I just want to speak to that real quick, and then, and then we're going to move on, um, but I, I just, well, I want you to make, make you aware that sometimes when you're comfortable, when you're in a season of comfort, okay, it leads to complacency. Complacency, and complacency has like a direct pathway to irresponsibility, and so even for those of you who are kind of sitting there like, well, my life's pretty good right now, I just want you to sit back and really be honest and say, am I taking responsibility? Really? Now, for all the rest of us who have perhaps experienced unfairness or felt like life has given them the short end of the stick recently, or at least in a situation that we can remember, when life is going unfair, when there is, uh, you feel like there's an unlevel playing field, for you, or when, let's just say it, the escalator stops, what do we do? Now, I realize, I realize, for most of us, we would say, Taylor, I won't let an escalator stop me, okay? Come on, I'm just going to walk up the escalator, right? And that's really easy to think, but come on for a second here, just just think about this. I realize most of you would say, I'm not going to let an escalator stop me. But what is the first thing you do 80% of the time you step onto that first step of the escalator? You stop. Yeah. You stop. Because you and I have an expectation that at that escalator is going to take us to the top or take us to the bottom. Okay? I get the top part, but my gosh, isn't it just kind of like huh, lazy to just, well, I'm gonna, I can't go down the steps. I'm just going to ride the escalator down. Right? But we have an expectation to get to the top. And when our expectations aren't met, we sit there and say it's unfair. I mean, let's be honest. How do you feel? I know how I feel. When I walk up to an escalator, okay, in an airport or a mall or something, I walk up to an escalator and it's not working. Okay? Let's be honest. How do you feel at that point? Yeah, you feel disappointed. It's like you might as well just put steps in if you ain't going to run the escalator or fix it, right? I mean, you're a little, I'm going to use a word, miffed. We don't use that often. But when I thought of this, this is the word I thought of. When I looked at an escalator, I'm like, ah, I'm kind of miffed by that. I'll take the stairs or I'll walk up it, but I'm a little miffed in the meantime because my expectation was it was going to be better than it was. And you have this all the time. You have this on Sunday mornings, right? When the pastor drops the ball on a message and it's just not that good, okay? It doesn't happen here, but maybe other places you've been to. <laughs> wow, you didn't have to laugh. I knew you'd laugh, but like, wow, you know? Okay, wow. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, but what do you do? Well, some people, I, I've experienced this, so they just go to a different church, find something better. 
okay? Or if you're online, you're watching online, and the message starts off, and you're like, oh, this isn't a very good message, you just skip to the next one, or you go find a different one. It's like, this is not for me. But when, you're, when your expectations aren't met, you get a little miffed. You get miffed when there's a pay raise freeze, or there's a hiring freeze, or there's layoffs, and you got laid off, or your, your coworkers aren't producing as much as you're, you're producing, or what you're producing isn't selling, right? You got clients, but they're not buying, and it's frustrating. Or you just have difficult clients, difficult kids, difficult spouse, and it's not fair. It's not fair. And, and my bet, in those moments of feeling miffed, when you feel like life is unfair, the last thing you're asking is, how can I take responsibility? When I look at that escalator, the first question is not, how can I take responsibility? It's like, wow, this is an inconvenience in my life. This is frustrating. I'm going to get a little angry. Right? For some of you, your life has been a series of moments where you've looked back and said, I just feel like this was a little unfair. Like, I understand it might have been, it was going to be bad or it was going to get bad, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad. And that was really unfair. Like, your mom, your dad, wasn't there when you grew up. And you might not have thought a ton about it as a kid, but now that you're older, you're like, wow, this is, this is really affecting me. This has really challenged me. Or maybe your spouse walked away. Definitely not what you planned on. Definitely not what you expected. And it's like, well, was I the best spouse ever? Well, maybe not, but I don't know if I was that bad to deserve that kind of treatment. Or maybe you do the comparison game and you look at other people, okay? And you look at their lives and they married the, the, the beautiful or the handsome person or they, have, they were the beauty queen or, or they got the car and they got the job and, and you were sitting there feeling left out. You felt passed over. You felt like you went the extra mile and you didn't get anything re in return. You felt like you carried your load, like we talked about last week. You carried your load, but you didn't reap what you felt like you sowed. And in those moments, it is so easy to sit there and say, I don't want to take responsibility. In fact, the last thing I'm going to ask myself, I'm not going to ask myself, how can I take responsibility? I'm just going to give up and wait for others. And we ask questions instead like this. How should it have gone? And you play out the perfect picture in your mind. And it gets even more frustrating because that's not how life went. You sit there and you say, how do I get back at the man? I don't even know who the man is. But there's something, some entity, some organization that you're a little upset at. How do I get back at the man? How do I make others make it fair? Because somehow we've got to level this playing field. And you sit there and you stew on it and you stew on it. And you stew on it. And it's frustrating. And it's hard. But for you to be successful, for you to find peace, for you to experience joy in the unfair moments of your life, you're going to have to do something different. In fact, you're going to have to take responsibility for pretty much the only thing you have a hundred percent responsibility over. And realize that that thing will make an impact. And, and trust in that thing. And what I'm talking about is the fact that you and I are responsible for our response. The one thing you and I can control in an unfair situation is our 
response. Our response. Our response. I mean, parents, wouldn't you be grateful if at some point your kids would not just sit there and complain, and why are we going here, and why are we going there, and why are you making me do this, but that they would just realize that they were responsible for how they were going to respond to that situation. They wouldn't always bring it back to you, say, Mom, Dad, can you fix this? But they would just say, you know what, I'm going to take responsibility, even though, you know, Johnny shouldn't have done that, even though Susie shouldn't have done that, I'm going to take responsibility for how I respond. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? I think we would wish other people would do this, so why don't we take responsibility completely for our response? And if you think about it, responsibility is, is practically what? It's our response ability. Our ability to respond. Life is going to be unfair. And in the midst of the unfairness, this is, I believe, your greatest tool to begin to reconcile the issues. Because, come on, the opportunities that you and I get in life will be unfair. In fact, you won't know. That, that is one of the biggest unknowns of life, is what opportunities or challenges are going to come and, and, and face us. Or if you're a Christian or a Jesus follower, we don't know what God has planned for us completely. Maybe we have an idea, but, but we certainly don't know it all. And we can sit there and we can say, oh, well, God, why did you put that in my life? Why did you, you, know, you, you know, lead me in that direction? It's, been, it's hard. It's frustrating. I feel challenged. I feel vulnerable. We don't know. But what we can take responsibility for is our response. And Jesus, Jesus knew this. Big shocker. Son of God knew this. Jesus taught this. In fact, 2,000 years, Jesus taught us this principle, taught his people, his disciples, and everybody who'd listen, this principle. And he taught it in relationship to God's kingdom. And if you're not, uh, or even, honestly, even if you are a Christian and you've grown, grown up in the church, I remember hearing about the pastor say, you know, God's kingdom and, and that kind of thing, and, and uh, your kingdom come, and I'm sitting there like, I really don't know what that means honestly. I really don't know what that means. And, and I, if, if we really wanted to tease out what God's kingdom is, um, it'd probably take a whole class and, and maybe a, a theology degree, and it's really an incredible thing, but we don't have time for that. So I'm just going to summarize God's kingdom as the ideal. Like, if you could have the ideal society, the ideal world, the ideal environment, God's kingdom, it would be the most ideal. We think ideal. And, God, and Jesus is teaching and saying, in God's kingdom, in the ideal scenario, this is how you would respond to the unfairness in life. And he does this um, through a parable. Now, this parable is like every other parable Jesus used. It's a story to illustrate a point. But he uses them because they illustrate a lot of different points in there. In fact, we have looked at this story before on Sunday mornings. It's a really well-known story. You may have grown up with it. It's called the parable of the talents. Um, and, and, but it's worth looking at again because every time you go through some of these stories, there's something new that pops out. And so I'm going to try to take a different look at it. But I just want to let you know something that I think is really important. As we get to the end of this, I think part of us hopes that God is going to come into this situation that we're going to read about, and he's just going to level the playing field. But he doesn't. 
God doesn't try to fix the unevenness of life. And he doesn't fix it in the story either. It's still going to be uneven, but at least I think what he teaches us in the moment is so much more valuable and so much more, honestly, beneficial. So we're going to read the parable of the talents. Now, um, for those of you who don't know, a talent um, is a unit of weight, okay, back in 2,000 years ago days, okay? And um, it, depending on the translation that you read, um, if you want to follow along, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. If you brought your Bible, you want to pull up the app. Um, it's a unit of weight, and it could have been a weight of any kind of coinage, uh, but we're going to use bags of gold because that's generally, traditionally, what we assume um, that Jesus was talking about in the story. We don't really know, but it's at least a bag of gold, okay, is one talent. It's a weight, um, and it's a lot of money, okay? So here, here's essentially how the story begins in Matthew 25. Jesus says, for it is as if a man, okay, uh, and he's describing the ideal. He's describing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. Now, um, some of you pick up on these things, and so I just want to highlight, I switched versions for this story. Usually I preach out of the NIV, but I'm going to preach out of the NRSV. It's a little bit more literal of a translation. And the reason I'm doing that is because um, we, we tend to shy away from this word right here. In fact, in the NIV translation, they use servants, um, but that's not actually what the Greek word, the New Testament is a translation of ancient Greek, that's not the Greek, the Greek word there is slaves. And I think that's really important because when we think slaves, we think civil war, okay? That's not the kind of slaves that were in Jesus' day. The slaves in Jesus' day could own property. They could hold political office. They could work off their debt. They could marry. They could own land in some cases, okay? I'm not saying it was the goal. You didn't want to become a slave, but it's not the Civil War kind of slave, okay? So that's why they tend to translate it to servant, because it makes it a little softer and more manageable for us in America 2,000 years later. But he essentially summoned his slaves, Okay? And then he's going to do something really unique. He is going to entrust them with his property. So essentially, he liquidates his property into um, coins, okay? And he is going to entrust them. In other words, he's going to say, I want you to do with this what I would do with this. And really, that's what trust is. If you trust someone with your car or with something that you own, you hope they would take just as good a care of it as you would, right? That's what he's doing. He's entrusting it with him, okay? And so here's what he does. He, he goes to one of his slaves, and he says, I'm going to give you five talents. To another, okay, he said, I'm going to give you two. And to another one, he said one. To each accounting or according to his, or, uh, his ability. And then the master went away. Now, to give you a sense of what this is, okay, or what's going on here, one talent, all right, I did the math on this, is one talent is worth about 20 years of labor for a day laborer back in those days, okay? And so I just took like $35,000 a year in today's dollars, all right? Um, and so if, if, if he would have given one talent um, to this guy, the, the one, one individual, one slave, he would have essentially given him about $700,000. It's a lot of money. And to the uh, number two guy, he gave him $2.4 million. And then to the five-talent guy, he gave him $14 million. Sounds pretty great. Now, if you're following the story and feel the feeling of unfairness, this is kind of unfair, isn't it? Why not just give them all an even shake at it? 
But Jesus is something, saying something really important. He's saying, I'm going to give it to him according to his ability, according to his skills, according to his capacity. So essentially, he tells us, in God's kingdom, God accounts for our abilities. He's not going to give us more than we can handle, but he's going to give us enough where he's going to stretch us to see what we're going to do. And this makes complete sense, because why in the world? We wouldn't, in our education system, we wouldn't take a fifth grader and put him in college calculus, would we? I mean, maybe one or two in the world, but not that many. I mean, you wouldn't do that, because it'd be in over their head. They need to learn algebra, algebra trigonometry, pre-calc maybe even, or something, right, to develop the skills to be able to be successful in calculus. You wouldn't do that because it overwhelmed them. And Jesus is saying, I'm doing the same thing here, okay? So the one, story goes on, the one, um, or the one who, he, who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made more talents. Essentially, he put his money to work, and he didn't wait for it. He went off at once. He took responsibility, and he put it to work, and got more talents. In fact, we just assume, based on the verbiage, that he doubled it, Okay, or we'll find out actually later that he doubled it. So essentially, he comes back with $28 million. Took 14, made 28. It's like, that's who needs to be handling my money, right? Go like your retirement, whatever. Okay, in the same way, okay, the one who had two talents made two more talents. Okay, so he went from 2.4 to 4.8 million. Doubled your investment. Pretty good deal, okay? But, as some of you know how the story goes, but the one who had received one talent went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Essentially, put it under the mattress. And this is where Jesus' audience, people listening, his disciples, maybe some of them even went like, ooh, because they knew this wasn't good. In fact, I think we should do that together just in case you're falling, away, or falling asleep right now. Okay, we're just going to ooh, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the end of the verse, and you're just going to be, ooh, Okay? Like, it's not good. All right? Here we go. The one, talent, the, the one talent guy went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Yeah. Oh, that was good. You were really feeling that. <clears throat> okay? And then, after a long time, story goes on, after a long time, the master of those slaves came back and settled accounts with him. Okay? He did not ask for his money back. He did not say, hey, give me, give me the, at least what you've given. He said, settle accounts. In other words, he wanted to see what they had done with the money he had given them. Let me see your balance sheets. Let me see your accounting. I want to see what you've done and how you got to where you are. Despite the fact that I gave you differing amounts, despite the fact that it could be argued that it's unfair, I want to see what you did with what I gave you. And here's what they did. Story goes on. Then the one who had received five talents came forward bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. And the master responds. His master said to him, well done, good and trustworthy. You're worthy of my trust because you took care of as I would have taken care of my stuff. That's trustworthy. I mean, that, that's just like a good education for your teenagers if you have one right now. Guess what trustworthy means? You take care of what I have given you. Trustworthy. Trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. So what's he going to do? I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master, which makes complete sense to us, because why not? If you gave someone something, they doubled your money, would you not give them more things? Okay? It's not really even a few, right? I mean, like, 
in the last verse. Not even a few. He gave him 28 million. Doubled his money. I mean, it's fantastic. So God, creator of the universe, is coming to you saying, you know what? You did well with this. Guess what? I'm going to keep you busy. I'm going to keep stretching you. I'm going to keep growing you. I'm going to give you more opportunity to experience joy, to experience pride if you were here last week, right? When you take responsibility for something and you do a great job, guess what you get to do? You get to sit back and say, wow, I can take pride, good pride, not bad pride, good pride in the work that I've done. You get to enter in the joy of your master. And then the second bad guy comes along. I'm going to skip through those verses. Same thing. Second guy comes back, gives the money. God, uh, uh, the master, essentially God, says, good job, faithful servant. And then we get to the ooh part. Okay? And if there's like a soundtrack for this moment in time, I mean, it would go like, dunna. I mean, it's like not good. I mean, you know what's coming. It's not going to be dunna. Okay? And here's what happens. Then the one who had received one talent also came forward. And the audience is so tuned in at this point. Because the audience knows, as some of you know, when you give someone something, when you invest in your kids, you invest in their education, what do you want them to do with it? You want them to own it. You want them to grow with it. You don't want them to squander it. So everybody's tuned in. What's, what's God going to do with the one who's irresponsible? And didn't take responsibility in his response. The guy came to him and said, Master, I knew that who? You, Master. I knew that you were a harsh man. This is first century complaining, whining drama at its best. In fact, honestly, it kind of sounds like, you know, 21st century whining, complaining too. As well. Like, it's not my fault that what I'm about to tell you happened. It's your fault. You were harsh. So really it's you that's to blame, not me. I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. To which some of you last week were like, wait a second, Taylor, I thought you're only supposed to reap where you sown and this kind of goes against what you said last week. This is an overdramatic whining moment. Okay? He doesn't really reap where he doesn't sow. He may get others and help others to be successful and reap on his behalf. But he's not not sowing. This guy just feels like it because it looks like to that guy, as some of you have looked at others, it's like it just comes easy for them. It just doesn't even feel like they have to work that hard to be good at what they do. But in this moment, in this moment, Blame's trying to be placed. He's trying to place the blame on the master. Jesus is like, mm-mm. That's not how this goes. Irresponsibility? Responsibility. How you respond makes a difference. So I was afraid, he said, because I knew you were a harsh man. I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what's yours. Sorry so much for the worms and the dirt, and it kind of smells funny because it's been in the ground. But there you have it. There you have it. Oh, and that's your fault, by the way. And his master replied. What did his master say? His master replied and said, That's okay, buddy. If you pray about it, I'm sure God will take care of it. It's not in the Bible, okay? Just buddy is not in the Bible, okay? I just made that up. 
But that somehow, I think, especially for the Christians in the room, Jesus followers in the room, that's what we think. Oh, you know, it's okay. It's okay that you didn't respond with responsibility. If you just pray about it, God will take care of it. I just want to let you know something, if you haven't figured it out in your life. It's difficult. It's just difficult to pray your way out of what you behaved your way into. It's just difficult to do. Because God loves you too much to get in your way and prevent you from learning a lesson. God's not going to do this. You can respond to the unfairness and not take responsibility, but just know God's not going to necessarily swoop in. At least it's going to be difficult to swoop in because you've made it difficult for him to swoop in to help you out. I mean, if that were the I mean, just, I, I just want you to try something, okay? Next time you get pulled over, pray really, really hard. And some of you are like, I always do. Just pray really, really hard. Oh, Lord, let it be a warning. 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 Okay? When you're going through that prayer in your head, just take responsibility and see what happens. Officer gets up to the window and you just say, Officer, I think I was doing about 73, which was 13 over. Some of you, 23 to 30 over, depending on where you had to get going. Okay? Just let's be honest here. Some of you speed too much. And just say to the officer, own up to it. Take responsibility and just see what happens. Just see what happens. I've ridden with a couple of police officers, and every single one of them, maybe just because they're great people, I don't know, that could be two, okay? But they say, if people just take ownership for it, I'm so much more likely. But when they give me pushback, that's when I push back. That's when I push back. So what did, what did the master really say? Some of you know. said, Master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow. Kind of, this is sarcasm, okay? Where I reap when I did not sow. And gather where I did not scatter. Kind of cute. You knew, essentially, what you were supposed to do and you chose not to. You could have, he goes on, you could have gone to the bank. You could have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest, bare minimum, near guaranteed investment return, and you didn't even do that. So here's what the master did. The master said, take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For all those who have, more will be given, and they will have abundance. But... But for those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken from him. And it is so easy to sit there and look at that statement and say, ooh, that makes me uncomfortable because it feels unfair. It feels uncompassionate, unkind. But remember, God has already entrusted you. God already entrusted the servant with something. God just didn't say, well, best of luck. No, he said, I'm going to trust you. Why? Because I care about you. I love you. But you didn't follow through. You looked at your friends and said, well, I didn't get as much as they did, or, you know, I, it was just too much work, or, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to work that hard. I didn't really want to respond with responsibility, and so I just dropped the ball. God says, that'll be taken away. That'll be taken away. Irresponsibility will constantly lead to loss. It'll constantly lead to loss. And then, 
there's this kind of harsh verse that I think some preachers love a little bit too much, okay, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you, okay, and, and the pre- you know what, I'll just read it as some preachers do, okay, as for the worthless slave, throw them into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, you need the southern accent, okay, it just really gets the point across, Okay, and, and you think to yourself, oh my gosh, if, if I don't, you know, uh, you know, I don't do the right things, if I don't invest wisely, okay, I'm going to hell. And maybe that's what Jesus meant, but I think it is so much more likely. What Jesus is pointing out and saying is when you sow irresponsibility, when you have the opportunity to respond, even in the most unfair of circumstances, and you choose to be irresponsible, you take the path of least resistance. You don't step up, engage, walk up that escalator. When you don't do this, this is how your life is going to feel. You're going to feel like you're in darkness, and some of you are like, well, I've been dealing with unfairness of other people's doing, okay, and I felt like in darkness for a long time. And I'm just telling you, if you keep responsibility up, you will see the fruit of your work. But in the meantime, it's going to feel like gnashing of teeth, like gritting your teeth, like painful. Oh, this is so frustrating. So frustrating. You show me, come on, you show me someone who has an unfair lot in life, who started off on the wrong foot, who had disadvantage after disadvantage, but who constantly, constantly sowed responsibility, responded by taking responsibility in those unfair situations, I will show you someone who has gained an abundance. You know their stories. Everyone, everyone gets an unfair amount of opportunities. Everyone gets an unfair amount of opportunity. You know that. Some people are going to be five big people, right? They got into the right schools. They won it. They inherited it, right? They have incredible talents. Everything just is easy to them. The five big people in your life, okay, they got that unfair positive advantage in life, okay? And they could coast. Trust me, you know the people who have tried to coast on that. Maybe you feel like a five big person. You're wondering, maybe I've been coasting a little bit. There are the five bag people. And then there are the one bag people. It's like more, some of us, how we feel sometimes, okay? It's difficult. We have to work for it. It just doesn't come easy. We have student loans. We have a family that wasn't ideal. We are not feeling very abundant. Or maybe you're like the two bag person. You're kind of somewhere in the middle of that, okay? You can look at the situation and say, it is unfair. They got more opportunities than I did. I should have. I could have. I have expectations that are being unmet. Or you could take out those hands and get to work. Because what you do have the opportunity to do, everyone gets, an un- um, everyone gets an uneven amount of opportunities, but everyone gets the opportunity to respond. Everybody. So how will you? How will you? Bill Gates, perfect example. Five-bag five person, okay? Born into a wealthy family, went to a private school. Guess what this school had in the basement when no other schools in the na- country really did at that point? They had a computer. Did he get an unfair advantage? You could argue yes. But here's the difference, and if you want to read a book, it's called Outliers, um, and it's a great read, okay? And it talks exactly about this, and he says... What did Bill Gates do different from everybody else that had a computer? Bill Gates worked his tail off. He would be up all night learning to program and punching cards and all that kind of stuff that you had to do back then. And then he was able to reap on what he sowed. He was able to benefit from the opportunity that he had. 
Then there's one beg people, and you've heard their stories too. You've been encouraged by those stories. I don't know if you've watched the movie Unbroken, okay? It's a movie about a guy um, named uh, Louis uh, Zamberini, I think. Louis Zamberini, yeah. World War II vet, okay, shot down, spent months, uh, like at least a month or something, in the ocean and was brutally tortured by the Japanese, all that stuff. Came back, dealt with it, found his uh, purpose in Christ, and spent the rest of his life changing at-risk adult, or at-risk teens and youth's lives. Incredible story. Incredible story. Uh, Scott Rigsby is a guy, a um, uh, Christian guy too, but it, um, and, and he, he, um, he double amputee, okay, got in an accident when he was 18, okay, and instead of, of letting that bring him down, instead of just uh, going into complete depression because there was a season of his life where it was certainly, certainly painful, he picked himself up and he started to make a difference in people's lives. He started to make an incredible difference. And then he uh, did like 13 triathlons, I believe. 13 tri- triathlons as a W amputee. And then he helps vets who are coming back from war find peace out of their terrible situations and ordeals. So let's take advantage of the opportunity we do have to respond with responsibility and take ownership. So here's the deal. Here's what I want you to ask. Am I taking responsibility for my life? Really? Last week I gave you homework and I said in your phone I want you to put reminders to do two things this whole year. Remind yourself every single week, here's, what I want, here's an area of my life I want to take responsibility in. Here's an area of my life I want to take responsibility in. Think about that. You have the opportunity to respond when that reminder pops up on your phone to be better in that area of life, to pray to God if, if you're a Jesus follower and say, God, help me. Jesus, help me to follow you, to be more responsibility, to love the people around me. Church, what about you as a community of people? How could you take responsibility? Maybe it's serving, it's giving, inviting. In March, we're going to do a brand new series. Um, it's going to be awesome to celebrate our four-year anniversary, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some things out there that um, you have a choice. <laughs> and I'm a little nervous about how you're going to receive it. You're either going to walk away because it's too scary, it's too big, and it's too far away, or you're going to respond and you're going to take responsibility. You're going to take responsibility. And I guarantee you if you do, and you know this in your heart of hearts to be true, that if you do take responsibility, you will remember that day and look back years from now, even if you've moved away, even if Infuse isn't your church home in the future, and you're going to say, my gosh, what if we had not taken responsibility? What if we had responded in any other way than what we did? And it's going to be life-changing. It's going to be awesome, but it's going to take some ownership. And finally, I want to close with this, because I think this is really important, especially if you've been a Jesus follower for a long time or not. And the band's going to come up here, and we're going to sing a song um, and take communion together. But I just want you to think about, maybe you know a lot about God, maybe you don't. I don't know. But I want you to think about what God did when God looked at you and said, you know what? I see people who I I have given a lot to, yet they constantly, constantly are irresponsible with what I've given them. God could have walked away. God could have said, I done, I messed up. But he didn't. He said, I want to take responsibility for you.